0: 3 o'clock hour, the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader, John Gambadoro, Dave Burns, on this Monday afternoon. It's hard enough getting a mock draft right when you just do the first round it 's it 's impossible really, getting a mock draft right when you just do the first round two round mock three round mock it's it just adds extra layers of impossibility to getting it wrong. Gambo nothing more ambitious than somebody rolling out a seven round mock draft it 's like it 's like okay, good luck if you get two of these right. Guy from The Athletic, whoever it is who did this, if you get two of these picks right in this seven-round mock, I would be very impressed. This is very difficult to try to achieve this, Gambo.
1: Well, I mean, anybody's going to get him right, it is Doug Howler.
0: That's, well, Doug's, Look, Doug he, does a good Doug job. Doug does a fantastic job, but yeah.
1: holy Cow, that's tough. No, to but do. again, let's 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 look at positions. Okay? okay. Let's do that. So first round, stay at three, take Will Anderson, edge rusher, Alabama. Second round, love this, taking a center, a center from Minnesota. John Michael Schmitz. No relation to John Jacob Jingleheimer. <laughs> what why what, what why did I know? Mitch
0: is in there shaking his head. I so knew Gambo was going to make a John Jacob Jingleheimer reference. It's like, it's so predictable. (laughs) And not related. John Michael Schmitz and John Jacob
1: Jingleheimer are not related. Okay. All right. His name is not, his name too. Um, But a center, (laughs) right? I mean, he says too early to take a center. Perhaps the average draft position of last season's week one starting centers was 108. Three teams started centers who were undrafted. So, but he's got to take it as center right there. I like that. Go third round. USC defensive tackle. I can't pronounce his name, but um, I know who Tui, the guy is. Tui, Tui Piloto. Tui Piloto. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good defensive lineman right there. So that's a solid pick in the third round. Compensatory pick. Let's go, let's go cornerback out of Syracuse. Garrett Williams. Okay. They need help at corner. Makes a lot of sense. Byron Murphy's gone. You've got Marco Wilson, and I don't know who else. You have fourth round, okay. Take a uh, take a wide receiver there. You gonna you 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 don't know what's gonna happen with Hollywood Brown, and DeAndre Hopkins could get traded. You could use a wide receiver, 6'2", 220, good size. wasn't great in college, fifty one catches for eight hundred and sixty one yards, but you know could be a. Starter in the league, you get him at pick number 105. Fifth round, you go cornerback again. Like it. Kid from South Alabama, Darryl Luter. Cornerback. Sixth round, you go offensive guard. Kid from Washington, Jackson Kirkland. And then somehow, with number 213, you take Max Dugan, the quarterback, out of TCU. (laughs) I
0: I like that. You know what? Let's just throw a Hail Mary up there. Let's take a quarterback in the seventh round or sixth round. You know, what the hell. Let's do it. Yeah.
1: So defensive linemen. So you got two defensive linemen. In the first round or third round, you've got a center and an offensive guard that you draft, and you end up drafting two cornerbacks, two offensive linemen, two cornerbacks, two defensive linemen, and a wide receiver. Yeah, Like, you know, without knowing the players, I think we could all sign up for, like, that's a that 's a really good mock as far as positions of need, getting two of these and where they got them, getting two of those and where they got them. I think that that 's very very fair i think it 's a very fair look at what they could do
0: the, the cardinals desperately need a meat and potatoes draft and and by that, I mean they need the guys on the line offensive and defensive they need cornerbacks they, they need those those premium positions that they just haven 't done very well with in the draft recently or haven 't paid a lot of attention to very much in the draft recently and I, and I really think you know with steve keim over the last few years inside linebackers and this obsession with wide receivers and i'm not saying they don't need a wide receiver but it, there's just been so much attention to that over the last couple of years and not the basic nuts and bolts of some of the things that win you football games and, and i positionally i like it i love taking a center in the second round. I mean, that, that to me is because, you know, we talked so many times, you and I, last year about Tyler Lindenbaum. You mentioned him a second ago. If they don't trade the first round pick, he's probably the center right now. I, I, in fact, I've got a draft profile for him, John Michael Schmitz. I want to play it because I, I do think this is a guy that will get a lot of dots connected between him and the Arizona Cardinals. Gambo, the old crew voiced this profile. So who do you think voiced it? Sarah? Mitch? Aaron or Eric? I'm going Sarah. You think Sarah? I'm I'm going to take the newlywed Aaron Maloney. John Michael Schmitz, Interior Offensive Line, Minnesota.
2: Schmitz was a first-team All-American with Minnesota last season, his sixth year with the Gophers, and was pro football focus's highest graded center by a mile. He's light on his feet with impressive explosiveness at the snap, and has a lateral burst that allows him to cover a lot of ground on the line of scrimmage. Scouts seem most impressed by his football intelligence and how quickly he processes information. NFL Comp Free agent center Ben Jones.
1: Good call, Gambo. Yeah, Man. there you go. There you go. He had uh, visits set up with two teams, you know, around the, you know, in the inside of the thirty, the Steelers and the Jets. Um... And I think a lot of people had his. He had his, his pro day, um, so there's a lot of teams that are interested in him. He's a good center. You know, they they wanted a center so bad last year. There were two of them that they focused on. They didn't get either one. So six four, three hundred twenty pounds. Everybody says don't overanalyze him. This is just a really good football player.
0: Yeah, uh, let's play the Will Anderson profile. Uh, Doug has the Cardinals taking him at number three overall. Of course, there has been and there will continue to be just a ton of speculation about what the Cardinals. We're going to do at number three. We're going to see a lot of suggestions out there. I remember who voiced Will Anderson. Do you remember who voiced Will Anderson?
1: Do I remember who voiced
0: Will Anderson? We've played this one a couple of times. I, yeah, I probably not. One. No, you don't want to guess. Well, who was it? It's part of the old crew. It was Sarah Gazelle. Will Anderson Jr., Edge, Alabama.
2: Will Anderson, a beast, a monster, a machine. That's how the edge rusher was described while at Alabama. The two-time All-American finished his college career with 34 and a half sacks, 62 tackles for loss, and more than 200 quarterback pressures over three seasons. He is widely considered the best defensive player in this year's draft. Anderson makes game-changing plays in the run game and as a Pass rusher, and with an intensity that will make Wolf proud. Scouts would like to see a more consistent motor all the way through the play, but they believe his athleticism and his will could lead to a Pro Bowl career, NFL comp, soon to be Hall of Famer, Demarcus Ware.
0: Temptation to say there's going to be strong. Maybe you can just make a move down to four and still get him if you've got. Yeah. A, you know, the Colts want to move up and make sure they get their guy. That's going to be the temptation if you're the Cardinals.
1: Well, I think that. Uh, as we've gone through this, and it's been, it's, been a, it's been a while now, it's been six weeks, not two months, but five or six weeks of kind of analyzing everything, looking at all these mock drafts, figuring out who's there, who's not there, and just really having a good feel of it. I, I feel pretty comfortable that I would be okay with the Cardinals staying at three and taking Will Anderson or dropping down to four. And taking Will Anderson and anything else, I don't think I'd be in favor of. So a trade down to seven, eight, ten. I think at this point, I I, I think that that would be a lose for the Cardinals. Okay, so you all right? So
0: you yeah. are now on record yeah. saying you do not want the Cardinals to do anything in this draft that would jeopardize their ability to get Will Anderson. Either stay no. and get him at three, or move down one spot with the Colts where you can still get him, assuming they move up to get a quarterback, and nothing else as far as you're concerned. No. Tell me I why. Mean, I just Tell me don't why. Think,
1: because I think that the, 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 the once you start moving down, you're talking about getting a cornerback. It's not a great draft for offensive linemen. There is one great player that doesn't have a red flag, and that that's, that's not a quarterback in this draft. And it's Will Anderson. It's just not. There's a lot of debate about who goes after him. You know, there is. I mean, is it? You know, who's the players that go after him? I mean, if you know, you know, you know the four quarterbacks. We all know the four quarterbacks. But there's a lot of debate as to who's the next best player after Will Anderson. But there's no debate on who the next, who the best player available is. That's not a quarterback. It is Will Anderson. So I think it's too risky. I would trade down to four if I still can get him, or I would stay at three and make the pick and spend the money. But I I think I have, you know, over the weekend, I came to the conclusion, and, you know, we look at this thing, so we monitor it, and at some point, you know, at some point, we have to say, okay, this is what we want them to do, and not be, you know, hinging on it all the time, and you can't be okay with everything. I mean, you just can't be. You can't be like, (laughs) oh, no matter what they do, I'm fine with it. So for me, I think that anything outside of getting Will Anderson with the third or fourth pick is going to be a failure. Okay. Okay.
0: No, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And and I, I will admit, I get tempted by what's out there. Yeah, it, and we don't know for sure what's out there, but when you see some of these suggestions of what they could get by moving around on the draft, I'd be the first to admit that I'm tempted by that. That is an awfully risky game to play. And all you have to do if you're a Cardinal fan, if you're a longtime Cardinal fan, all you have to do is think about Terrell Suggs. And all you have to think about how on the surface you looked at that and went, oh, great, man, two for- First round picks move down, bang bang, get a couple of good guys. None of them were even remotely close. Terrell sucks, and if this is going to be that all over again, stay put and take Will Anderson, or move yeah. down one spot and get Will Anderson. It's, right. it's I'm, I might not be totally there with you yet, but I, I'm glad, I'm, I'm still kind of waiting to see what the price tag for moving down might be. But I'm glad you're there. You know, I'm, I'm not getting, in, I'm, yet, getting I'm a cornerback
1: out of Oregon. You know, it's just not. I, I got to listen. Nothing against a corner the kid from Oregon, Christian Gonzalez. I got a chance for Will Anderson or move down and I get a cornerback out of Oregon stop it just yeah. stop I mean it's silly you get to the point where and again it takes a while to see what everybody's doing and projecting and what the Cardinals can get and you move down to a certain spot and there are a lot of projections about a cornerback or something I got a chance to get an elite edge rusher in this game and I can't pass that up so stay at three and take the pick move down to four and take the pick or chicken out try to save money and move down a whole spot and pass up on a great player. I think I'll just stay at three or four and make sure I get the great player. When
0: we come back, have the Kings and the Grizzlies pulled themselves out of the Sun's orbit? We'll talk about that next. Burns and Gambo.
2: Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader.
0: Here with you on the Burns and Gambo show. Phoenix Suns are now six games back in the lost column from the Sacramento Kings and the Memphis Grizzlies. That dream is over. OVA. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was probably over towards the end of last week anyway, if we're just being completely honest about it. And we were basically talking about it like it was over. But that that dream is not going to happen. You're not catching Sacramento. You're not catching Memphis. I think the best the Suns are going to do is the fourth seed in the Western Conference at this point.
1: Yeah, I think it's done. Memphis won two games over the weekend. Sacramento won a game. You lost that. That I thought it was going to be hard for them to do it anyway. Once Durant went out, I think we were looking at hanging on to four, or, you know, maybe dropping to five, but hopefully not to six or seven or eight or nine. Um, and some things worked in their favor over the weekend to not fall right. Golden State lost again on the road. The Clippers got beat by uh, by the Magic. The Magic got a big fourth quarter rally, and Mark. Fultz and Wendell Carter Jr. were outstanding, and and they came through. And Orlando had a big win, but I I think it's more likely you're looking at four or five because I, I do think especially with the Grizzlies, the comeback win against the Spurs and then the win against the Warriors, the, even with all the injuries and Job being out, they they're not gonna the Suns are not gonna be able to overcome the deficit that they have with No them right it now. doesn't
0: appear so. I mean it was it's really it was I, I'm paying attention more attention now this late in the season to everything going on around the Suns than I can really remember. And I say that I, last year I remember paying attention to kind of the bottom to see what was going to happen with the play-in tournament and who the Suns might be able to play. But I'm like really focused in on what's happening with the Clippers and what's happening with the Grizzlies and the Warriors and the Kings and the Timberwolves and the Mavericks and et cetera, et cetera. And before the Suns tipped off that game yesterday against Oklahoma City, they had had a really good weekend without playing. I mean, like, it, everything kind of happened the way you would want it to, with the exception of, of Memphis and Sacramento. Okay, that didn't happen. But the Warriors lost, so it gave you a little breathing room there. And the Clippers lost. That gave you a little bit of breathing room there. Minnesota, the same thing. But then Sunday happened, and bang, you lose if you're the Suns. The Clippers beat the Portland Trailblazers yesterday, and and you're right, forget about two, forget about three. Now it's just a question of, are you going to be four? Or are you going to slip to five and lose home court advantage? Or are you going to fall to six, which maybe is actually the spot you want to be in, but then if you fall to six, are you going to get too close to seven? Nobody wants seven. You don't want to get... I'd I'd rather be in a 4-5 matchup from hell than be at number seven having to win the play-in tournament. I think they can come out of it, but there's no guarantees that that's going to happen. It's a real dangerous slope the Suns are on right now, and they just got to be careful not to fall... Too far it's, to avoid the play-in.
1: It's just so crazy because the top three teams are teams that you don't fear not if you're all. a Suns fan. Even the Nuggets, you don't, you don't fear n- one, I two, or three.
0: I, I, the Denver Nuggets, they're not the way they're playing right now. There's nothing to fear about no, them. Nothing at all. No, no, but but fear yeah,
1: yeah, they're that. five and five in last S. Ten. You know, three-game losing. You don't fear Denver, Sacramento. Like you know, they're good, but they've got no playoff experience. Memphis is, you know, Memphis is a mess right now. So the top three teams are teams like if you matched up with them, you'd be like, okay. That, not scared of them, but then you look at the teams behind you, below you. The Clippers, yeah, more, much more dangerous matchup. The Warriors, yeah, more dangerous matchup. Dallas, yeah, more dangerous matchup. If Lucas at like. So it's crazy. The three teams ahead of you, you don't fear, but the three teams directly below you, you do. When does that ever happen? Very. It, never. That never, never, never happens. It never happens like that. Never. Never. No. You're right in the middle. You're right in the middle of this tsunami where you really do. You look. If I told you. Your path, this is your path to the NBA Finals. You've got to go through Denver, Sacramento, and Memphis, or you've got to go through the Clippers, the Mavs, and the Warriors. Which one would you take? I would take the first one. I the first one? Give me one, two, and three
0: every right. time. Right, that's your path. Over your path, you've got to beat seven. the Nuggets, yep. the
1: Kings, and the Grizzlies, or you got to beat the Clippers, the Mavs, and the Warriors. No, it's not going to work out that way because, you know, if you're six, then you'll play three. But you know what I'm saying? The three teams well, below you. Yeah, because because those, those, those three are teams feared. Yeah,
0: well, and part of the reason why they're feared is, I mean, let's just call it like it is. It's a superstar league. They've got the superstars. They're down there. The superstar. Now, I'm not saying Nikola Jokic isn't a superstar. He is. but. But if you're looking at like true superstars in the league, yeah, John Morant's one, but who knows what he's gonna be when he comes back and Kawhi, when he's gonna come back. Paul George, look Kyrie right, Luca. It's Kyrie Klapp, and it's Steph Klapp. and it's LeBron and it's Kawhi and it's Paul George. You've got some legitimate Talent down there, talent that's got rings and talent that's had success and talent that has done well. And you just, you look at them, and I think that's what drives the fear a little bit more is there's, you know, Jaw, Jaw's never really had any postseason success. The Kings, the Kings haven't been to the postseason in 17 years. And the Nuggets, yeah, Nikola Jokic is a two time, maybe soon, be three time MVP, but what has he ever done in the postseason? That there's a real, that's the vulnerability is you just don't trust their stars the way you trust the stars of the teams below you. That's what scares me more than anything, Campbell, more than
1: anything. Yeah, no, I know. And that's why I like that, you know, the 4-5 the 4 five matchup, especially if you lose home court advantage, could be very dangerous. I can't even, you know, even begin to think of what it would be like to have all your eggs in this one basket with Kevin Durant and get a tough first-round matchup and be out, you know. I mean, that could just be a long, long, brutal offseason for the Suns. No doubt. There's a lot of uncertainty right now because, you know, You've got you've got one player. You're, you're hinging all your hopes on this one player being able to come back and be healthy and, and lead you to an NBA championship. And when he came back, there were three games and everything looked great. But but he's hurt, he's old and he's and he's been hurt this year twice with a twice with a knee injury and you know, an ankle injury. And he hasn't played a whole lot. And look, you obviously see how this team plays without him. I mean, now you've got you've got an extended look now of how they're playing without him. And he, and it's the
0: results are not very good. No, if you're looking at the loss column, okay. So the Suns are in fourth. They have a one-game lead over the Clippers, who are. Are oh, you looking
1: at the loss column? I've been looking at the oh, look loss column
0: the last two
1: days. Look it's, at you! It's, look at you? It's, yeah, only because you're it's, all grown up. Now, see how fast they grow up? No, no, no. That's only because nice. it's
0: just the easiest way to talk to you because you don't understand anything else. So, uh, in the loss column, the Suns <laughs> yeah. are have a one-game lead over the Clippers. They have a two-game lead over Dallas. The Clippers are fifth. Dallas is sixth right now. They have a three-game lead over the Golden State Warriors in the loss column for 7th, a three-game lead over Oklahoma City for 8th, and then it gets to a four-game lead over Minnesota for ninth, and the Lakers for 10th. And if you really want to look at it, they've got a four-game lead over the Utah Jazz, who are currently in 11th right now. The schedule is very unforgiving for the Phoenix Suns coming go up. go over it. Right, okay, here you go. So you're at the Lakers on Wednesday. You're at Sacramento on Friday. On the second night of a back-to-back, you're home against Philadelphia on Saturday then you're at Utah on Monday. Oh my god, you could you could you could lose those th- first three games. You easily could lose those first three games. Easily.
1: Yep. I still don't like the Lakers are still not good, but they are, you know, they are I, I, they're I, all dependent on Anthony Davis and they are playing for their playoff lives yeah. right Yeah, and,
0: and look, I, Oklahoma City, I wouldn't have said that they're very good either. But there's the, when that desperation mixes in with what you've got, that, that's the real fear, right? Is that you're playing teams who need this game. But I'm looking at the schedule. My eyes are just drawn to one game. I'm looking at the season finale against the LA Clippers on Sunday, April 9th. Who knows what could be on the line that day? Who knows what the Suns might have to be playing for that day? I mean, that could be a potential First round matchup? Are they playing for home court advantage? Are they playing to the stay out of the play-in tournament? Are they? Are, who know That I just keep looking at that game. Like, man, I got a feeling that game might mean a lot to the Suns when it's all said. Yeah,
1: yeah. I you just don't know. I mean, okay. it could mean it may mean nothing. It could mean a lot. Yep. And it, it depends. Like, do you? <laughs> If it's, I mean, if it's a ga- if it's for home court advantage between the Suns and the Clippers, you may play that game as hard as you can because you'd rather have the game at home.
0: This news just in from Tim McMahon of ESPN: Grizzlies coach John, Grizzlies coach Taylor Jenkins says they are hopeful that John Morant will play Wednesday against the Rockets. He had a good first day back that included addressing his teammates and his coaches. They said it would be a ramp up period for him, and he could be back on Wednesday against Houston for Memphis. Something else to keep an eye on and something else that might make them not catchable. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe on your iPhone or your Android. You will not miss our show. The Burns and Gambo Show It's brought to you by Carol Royce, your home sold guaranteed realty. Go to carolhasthebuyers.com That's carolhasthebuyers.com and start packing. Sons got back a contributor yesterday with as few a game that are left in the regular season. Just how much help can he provide? That's next. Burns and Gambo.
2: Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports.
0: The local sports leader. Paul into the forecourt. Waits for Booker. Gives to Shaman instead. Left side for three. And he knocked it down. Landry Shaman takes the defense on one side. Into the offensive end to bury another three. His third on three tries It was a mixed bag yesterday for the Suns and their four-point loss to the Thunder. They didn't have DeAndre Ayton. I kind of had a feeling after watching him limp around a little bit and then reading reports he was limping on his way out of the arena after the Orlando game last week. I kind of had a feeling he wasn't going to be available and getting him back, as much as DeAndre Ayton frustrates us, getting him back would be of chief importance for the Phoenix Suns. But then they did get Landry Shamit back for yesterday's game, which is, it's been so long since we've seen him on the floor for the Suns. I don't want to say we forgot about him, but he's really been out of sight out of mind for the last couple of months for this team. 20 minutes in his return he had 10 points, he was 3 of 4 from the floor, they were all 3 point shots that he took they were a minus 2 when he was out there, and the question now is can they rely on him and how much will they use him as Monty continues to search for whatever he can right now and going into the postseason for guys that he can trust
1: yeah, I mean, he gives him another option. I mean, because we do know that he's a more of a two-way player than some of the other guys, and you talked about this yep. several times. I mean, you've got some lineups that are more offensive and some more defensive. It'd be nice to have some guys that can give you a little bit more of both. I mean, he could shoot. I mean, he's always been a shooter, uh, but he's missed a lot of games. He played, what, 20, what you say, 20 minutes? He played 20 minutes, yesterday? yeah, 20 minutes
0: yesterday. He yeah, actually led minutes. the reserves in minutes yesterday. Nobody played more, so he went from not
1: playing to lead the bench in 20 minutes yesterday. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I yeah, mean, it Mon- is. Just the way Monty's using the bench is just fascinating me because I, you know, I took my notes on that game. He came in at the 3:35 mark. It was 20 to 14. They were up, so he came in with 3:35. The first sub was Landale. Landale came in for Biz at the 5:06 mark. But then Landry was quick, you know, quick into the game. I mean, they got him into the game real quick. Look, I mean, you got to find out if he can help you. I can't say right now yes or no that he can. I mean, Monty, because look, my. Mon- You're going to look at every single guy, and you're going to say, okay – these guys can all help you, but who can help you more with what you need? Because you can't play 13 guys in the playoffs. So you're not going to play 13 guys. So you're going to rely more on your starters when you're playing the Clippers and the Warriors because you're expecting the games to be closer and, you know, you got to win these games and you don't want to have starters out for long periods of time where teams can go on runs like what happened yesterday when it was a 10 nothing run when the bench guys were in. So with that being said, I mean, you've got to really figure out who are the four or five guys I'm going to count on Yeah, where the Landry can... can Break into that rotation or not? I'm not sure, but that's what it is. It's not can this guy help you? Can that guy, Yeah, every guy can help you in a certain way. It's just a matter of which guy can help you the most, and you can only pick four or five guys.
0: Not that this is the main reason why, because it's not. But it is interesting when you look at it from a salary standpoint, right? Like we know how top heavy the Suns are in terms of who they're paying and how much. When Kevin Durant is back, right? They're big four. Obviously, they're big four for a reason. They're all getting a lot of money and then everybody else is, isn't, except for Shamit. And now, again, I'm not saying that's the reason why you play him and why you trust him, but the way the roster is constructed from a financial standpoint, if you were just to look at that... You would say Landry Shamit's going to be one of the chief guys because they're paying him like a chief guy. He's not, he's not getting paid like Kevin Durant. He's not getting paid like Devin Booker. But he's getting paid certainly much more than Josh Gogey or Ish Wainwright or Jock Landale or any of those guys. So you take that fact, and, then, and you're right, I keep harping on this. The more I watch the Suns, what troubles me more than anything is how one-way they are with their reserves. And by that, I mean Ish Wainwright. He's not a two-way player. He's a one-way player. Uh, Jock Landale's a one-way player. Damian Lee's a one-way player. They've got a lot of guys who are either out there because they're good at defense or out there because they're good at offense, and they really don't do both well. And I think that's what Monty's really struggling with right now. I think on his very best day... I think that Landry Schammett can be that two-way guy. I I, I think because this time a year ago, we were looking at Landry and they needed him to be a ball handler and kind of a de facto point guard, someone to initiate the offense. They're not going to need that with him now with campaign back and Kevin Durant on the roster. They're going to need someone who can knock down threes and they're going to somebody who can stay in front of their guy defensively. I think Landry can do both of those things, and I suspect that's what's going to put him on the floor in a lot of these games. And that's what's going to get him over. Over, over Terrence Ross, over Terrence Ross, over Damian Lee, over. Yes, I do. I, 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 think he ends up a week from now, two weeks from now, assuming health. I think you see Shamit get those minutes over Ross. I think you see Shamit get those minutes over Lee. Yes, I do.
1: I believe that because you got you. You get to the point where you say, "Okay, Chris Paul and Devin Booker are my guards." Okay, now you look at the backup guards. You've got you do have Damian Lee, and you've got Cameron Payne, and you've got Terrence Ross, and you have got Landry Shabbat. You're not playing four backup guards. No, no, you're not. You're not. You're not. So gonna- now, and you're not. You know, and and Book's going to play a vast majority of the minutes. And the best substitution for Chris Paul is Cameron Payne because he's more of a true point guard than those other guys. So you may, you may be coming down to, look, only one of you guys is going to play between Ross, Lee, and Shamit. Mm-hmm. Because you're not going to get many minutes outside of Booker. Yeah,
0: and for everything Damian Lee has done to get them to this point, and I don't want to minimize that, and for how important I thought it was for the Suns to go into the buyout market and get themselves some help, which is you know why Terrence Ross is here. At the end of the day, what we've what we're starting to see is that with no Mikel Bridges out there, they are sometimes very defensively challenged. And then when they put defensive players out there to counter that, then they're offensively challenged because the the defenses then are going to give Ish Wainwright that shot. They're going to give Josh Shikogi that shot. Sometimes they're going to hit it. Sometimes they're not. Ish was 0 for 4 yesterday, and, and that seems to be what Monty is really struggling with. I, I I don't know, Gambo. It's just a guess, but my guess is that when the playoffs roll around, Landry Shamit is going to be the one who's going to emerge and get those minutes because he's the
1: closest thing they've got to a two-way at this point. You, I, I might lean that way. You got to see what, what happens over the next couple of weeks. Ross has been good for you offensively. Oh yeah, very good offensively. You know, but he's just defensively, not a, good he's a train wreck. Yeah, he's just a train wreck out there. And, and Damian Lee, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't think he's the most consistent out of those guys. I think. I think Monty. I, I think what you're saying is what Monty would want. He would prefer that Landry step up his game enough offensively to be able to. to I mean, Terrence Ross has been getting, you know. And again, we, we, this this is what happens when you get a buyout player. You got to promise him a certain amount of minutes Terrence Ross has been getting about 17 18 minutes a game since he came to the Suns so he's getting a lot of Terrence Ross is getting a lot of minutes yep And he's done a good job for them. Like, he's done a pretty good job. He's shooting 40... This month, he's shooting 44% from three-point range. He's done a good job offensively, but we've seen him be a defensive liability.
0: And and I, I can't help but to wonder, and I'm pulling up his game logs right now because I suspect that you're right when it comes to his minutes. All right, so 16 minutes, 16, 11, 15, 22, 23, 12, 17, 22. Yeah, he's averaged about... I think you're right. 17, 18 minutes per game since he's been here. I do wonder... How different that would look if Kevin Durant were healthy. If Kevin Durant were healthy, how many minutes is Terrence Ross getting per game? I don't know if he's getting 18 minutes per game if Kevin Durant's healthy. I'm not sure he is. You know, I think that's partly a function of the hand that you've been dealt with the Kevin Durant injury and that if Kevin Durant were out there, it would be less Terrence Ross could be wrong. Yeah, but that's just kind of what I suspect.
1: You've got a four guys that play off the bench total in these playoff games, not four different. And they got four different guards that they've got to pick from. I and mean, They're not going to have four guards that are playing. You're going to have to play a backup center to DeAndre. You're going to have to have to play a backup forward. So, you know, you're looking at one or two of those guards playing in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. Sham Sharania on FanDuel TV today. Suggested that KD could return to play in the next 10 days. Now, while this might sound like breaking news, it's, it's actually kind of in line with the timeline all along. There's really not much of a change there when it comes to when he could come back. He, he first injured himself. It w- it'll be two weeks this Wednesday, okay? So we're a couple of days away from the two-week mark of when he heard it. So if he's going to be back sometime in the next 10 days, that falls right in the middle of two to three weeks. Now, it does... If he's right, lean a little bit closer to the idea that maybe the Suns built in his ramp-up period into the three-week timeline so that he would be back after three weeks. Obviously, the sooner it can happen, the better. He's doing more and more stuff on the floor. He thinks Jerania thinks there's going to be an update on KD status later this week, early next week. But if he's saying 10 days, Gambo, that cannot
1: get here soon enough for this basketball team right now. No, I think we'd rather just see him, if he plays in some games, rather, you know, 2, 3, 4, 5, whatever it is, is better than none. You don't want to go into the playoffs with him having played none. Um, and then the key, again, it still is, you know, it's it's up and we don't know this. I mean, health is just a big thing. You know, health is his weakness. It's the one weakness Kevin Durant has. There's no other weakness in his game I Outside of his ability to stay healthy. That, that's his kryptonite. That's his weakness. And now you're looking at a, you know, hopefully a long playoff stretch where you're playing a lot of different series and you got to keep him, you gotta try to keep him upright through that whole thing. If it's 10 days, if it's mm-hmm. ten, not if 10 days, today is
0: the 20th, that would have him back on Friday, March 31st against the Denver Nuggets. That would have him back with six games to go in the regular season. If it's truly 10 days, That's what we'd be looking at. He'd be back on Friday, March 31st, and there would be six games left on the schedule. Two of those are against Denver. One of those is against the Clippers. That's what he'd be looking at. That's plenty. One of those is a back-to-back, I think. Uh, One of those is a back-to-back. They're home against the Nuggets. They're at the Lakers on the 6th and 7th. Yeah, I don't think, I would doubt that he would play in the back-to-back. I would agree. He'd miss one of those games. I'm not sure which one.
1: take that out. So best case scenario is five games? Yeah,
0: best best case scenario, if he's back in 10 days, would be five games. Yeah, plenty of time. It's good. we come back on the Burns and Gambo show. The Cardinals in free agency. What grades are they getting? Is incomplete an option? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show.
2: Burns and Gambo afternoons on Arizona sports the local sports
0: leader. All right back here with you i Burns and Gambo Arizona sports the local sports leader. Happy Monday to you. Hope you all had a good weekend. The Arizona Cardinals did make a move in free agency today reportedly a two year deal with wide receiver Zach Pascal, who formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles formerly of the Indianapolis Colts. There's obviously some familiarity with Jonathan Gannon but Gambo is thinking about this today it was hard to believe uh, in many ways that free agency basically started a week ago for the NFL. I mean, officially it was last Wednesday, but unofficially it was last Monday with the ability to start negotiating and legal tampering. It has been so... Quiet for the Arizona Cardinals. I, I mean, so quiet that the, even the idea of grading the moves that they've made so far, I, I, I'm not even sure what the point is of grading the moves that they've made so far because it's it's just, it's been, just there aren't any. there just aren't any at least there not any. big no. not enough to
1: grade. I mean, it's been very quiet. I mean, it's just like you know, you just wonder everybody. Like, is anybody in over there, over their head over there? Like you got twenty plus million dollars to spend and a week into a free agency, you haven't really done anything. Thing like it's you know what they did do today they fired the trainer that got the B plus on the grades that's what, that's not what they did <laughs>
0: according to there's a report from Kyle yeah. Odegaard that they have uh, moved on from
1: their longtime trainer The athletic the, trainer it's been like 15 years right. right I think he's been there 15 years but wasn't it wasn't it the wasn't it the, didn't the trainer and the staff get a B plus in yes. the survey
0: yes in the NFL Players Association right. survey that was the one thing that worked well the weight room didn't get good grades the food service didn't get good grades the training staff did they got they
1: got good Great! So they fired the teacher that got him a B plus, and they kept all the teach other teachers that got him an F. I don't know why this happened. Does this make any sense in the world? I, like, I mean, explain this to me. Hey, how do you do? All oh, my I did great. My students are averaging an eighty five, B plus. Okay, you're fired. What do you mean? Well, the other teachers they, 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 their students are getting F's. Yeah, but we're gonna fire you. I don't know how this makes any sense. Again, I wish there'd be some some level of uh, uh, responsibility in reporting this stuff and letting us know, like you know why. I mean, you don't have to tell us, but it doesn't look good that you know his state received a B plus in the survey B plus now the training room amenities were an F minus but yes. that's not I don't know if that unless they are saying it's your job to deal with the amenities maybe they were tied for last with an F minus unless they say hey it was his responsibility the amenities but as far as his staff can cons- staff is concerned you know his staff got a B plus I reached out to a couple of players and I'm like I'm not touching that one um, another one's like, hey, crazy business, ain't it? Yeah. So, like,
0: so one, one, one of them anonymously said, I ain't touching that one. Don't want to talk about, about that one. to couple
1: different players today. One's like, yeah, I am not touching that one. Wow. And another guy just told me, um, this is a crazy business, ain't it? Because like, okay, this guy, this was the guy that was doing a good job for him. And they, I don't know, I guess you need a, I guess you need a scapegoat for it. But I don't know why the guy to get you a B plus has to be the scapegoat. But he gets, so he gets fired and they'll have to bring somebody else in. Yeah. That's, 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 that's like our top Cardinal news right now is that they fired the guy that got them the B-plus on the report. Well, book.
0: because it's just, I mean, we're a weekend of free agency. And look, I think that... I, I, a tip of the cap to cardswire.com that you can only give grades for the moves that have been made. And as underwhelming as they are, these are, you know, whether it's you're White, whether it's Froholt, whether it's Kevin Strong or re-signing Kelvin Beecham or re-signing Will Hernandez. And some of these I, I like. I like Greg Dortch. I like Will Hernandez. I like Kelvin Beecham. I like the, the versatility. I like Zeke Turner. He's a key free, he's a key uh, special teams guy. Corey Clement, we didn't see a whole lot of him last year. But, but it is, I think, Gambo, everything we need to know about what this year is going to be like for the Cardinals, we have at least somewhat learned this first week. And I think this first week what we've learned is that just doesn't feel like there's much of a need, nor should there be, for the Cardinals to invest a ton of money in free agency for a team that is that needs a reset and needs a rebuild. And I'm, I'm, I can't imagine any other logical, rational reason for the lack of activity from the Cardinals this year in free agency other than the idea we have to take a reset as an organization. We're not going to be very competitive in 2023. We're not going to go spending a lot of money on guys because that's just going to screw up our cap and put things on it we don't want to deal with. So let's just play it like this this year. Let's play the draft to the hilt, see what we can get and see where things look like a year from now. I, I can't imagine there's any
1: other explanation for what's going on this last week other than that. You know, the thing that I would just simply ask is, like, yeah, they do have a certain amount of money under the cap, but again, like, there is there is cap money and real money. There's a real amount of money that goes out. That real amount amount of money that goes out does include, you know, paying for your fired coach, paying for your fired GM, paying for coaches that were fired. That's that's a real amount of money, right? There is a certain budget that that you that you have that's all encompassing, and it doesn't have anything to do with the um, with the cap. We've explained that really. Well well on our show a whole lot of times. There's real money and there's cap money, and they're two very, very different things. Even with what you're saying, Burns, it doesn't make sense not to go after some younger guys that you that you can identify and like and bring them in that could be a part of the future, that could start to change the culture here, that could you know, help you be somewhat competitive. I mean, I, that, that part doesn't make any sense. There are a lot of free agents that are out there. You need help on the offensive line. There's a lot of offensive linemen that are under 30 out there. There's a lot of defensive linemen under thirty. A lot of cornerbacks under thirty. I mean I sent you a list on Friday, I think it was, on Friday's show. There's about fifteen of those guys under thirty that are, you know, younger players that are of positions of need that they haven't addressed, mm-hmm. so that's you know to me that's that's somewhat of a concern because you know you're, you're a week into free agency and you know the only you know real thing that you could say they've done to really address the roster is adding a linebacker
0: in terms of going out and signing. Yes, it, 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 they've re-signed some guys, they've signed some other guys, but if you're talking about you know truly like coveted players, players that were on lists, yeah, no, they. Kazir White's the the main one. I, I Gambo, I still. I, I have to think, I really do, that now that the first wave, second wave, hell, if you even want to go so far as to say the third wave of free agency is over, we're we're into one year deal time. And I think now that we're into one year deal time in free agency, they know they've got roster spots to fill. I think they're just waiting for prices to come down. I really do. they, They can't possibly think that this is going to be the roster they're going to play with next year. And just build from the draft and not sign anybody else. They're gonna sign other guys. I gotta think they're waiting for the price to come down. Maybe I'm totally misreading this. I still
1: think there are more signings coming. I, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I mean, that it always that that was always the way they did business in the past. You waited out a little while. You you know some guys have uh, you know thoughts about what they're going to make, and then you know a week goes, two days goes by, four days goes by, a week goes by, and you know all of a sudden you know nobody's you know these other teams have signed other players at your position. And you start to scrounge around, and you're like, okay, I, mean, I just want to take a deal. I want to make sure I've got something. So that happens to a lot of players. You know, a lot, everybody that signs for lesser money you know, that thought they were worth more. I mean, at some point they get desperate and they just want to go somewhere. I would imagine that's you know, that's how it worked. The Cardinals have always played that game. Like, we're going to wait this thing out, and we, you know, we're not going to be at the big poker table right now. And we'll wait till some of the prices drop, and then we'll swoop in and we'll get some of these guys. And I, it might be the same. It might be the same way with the with the new general manager in Monte Austinport. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we're halfway
0: home on this Monday afternoon. The four o'clock reset with everything going on in sports that you need to know about. We'll tell you all about it next here on Burns and Gambo.